Hello, I'm Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson & Terry Recruitment. I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor. And you are listening to an edited version of Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike, uh, which airs every Sunday at 11am on DAB Digital Radio across Oxfordshire and online at getradio.co.uk. And our show introduces you to local trusted experts, whilst we also talk about topics that you, the listeners, tell us is impacting on local businesses and their owners. For copyright reasons, we cannot play the songs mentioned in the show. Uh, But for more info and business wrench related content, please do head over to getradio.co.uk. I definitely recommend it. Get Radio's Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Good morning. This is Get Radio and welcome to the Business Brunch with Better Mike. My name is Ben Thompson, owner of Thompson and Terry Recruitment and indeed the Oxford Business Community Network. And I'm Mike Foster, the entrepreneur's mentor and also the head of marketing and events at Oxford Head Injury Services, the brain injury charity formerly known as Headway Oxfordshire. Now, our show introduces you to local trusted experts whilst also discussing topical issues that are impacting on local businesses. And today, we're delighted to have our show sponsor with us today. That's Sarah Cook of We Do HR Support. And no guests, we're going to be talking about HR. So, Ben, it's great to have our show sponsor with us today. But what do you think the big HR topics are right now? That's a great question, Mike. A great question and a question that I love talking about, but I'm sure Sarah will give much better insight than I would be able to. Sarah will be sharing her knowledge and her expertise um, with you, the listener. This is the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. We'll be welcoming Sarah after this. Get radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um, today, I'm really, really delighted to be joined by our show's sponsor, Sarah Cook of We Do HR. Welcome, Sarah. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. So let's start. Um, for those who don't know um, you and We Do HR, um, tell them all about you and indeed your business. Okay. So um, I'm Sarah Cook and um, I run a business called We Do HR Support and it does what it says on the tin. Um, I spent my career in operational management in um, travel and hospitality initially and then moved into HR. I've worked across all sorts of different sectors um, from tech to pharma, manufacturing and construction um, to financial services, um, always dealing with the people aspect of things. And then three years ago, I had the opportunity to set up We Do HR Support um, and we specialise in providing an outsourced HR department for SME businesses, uh, both in Oxfordshire and across the country. Amazing. Perfect. Thanks so much for that intro. Um, So probably the toughest question uh, that most guests uh, get asked is their song choice. So um, no different with yourself, Sarah. What is your song choice and why have you picked it? I have picked Never Tear Us Apart um, by In Excess. And I've picked it because it has... um, I'm a fan of good lyrics and it has a particular lyric in there that I've found quite inspiring recently, uh, which is we all have wings, but some of us don't know why. Interviewing Oxfordshire's business leaders. This is the Business Brunch, sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. So welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. Um, before that song, chosen by Sarah, um, and for a purpose that I'm sure we're going to hear a little bit more about a little bit later. Um, we were exploring a little bit more about Sarah's background and we do HR support, who are kindly the sponsors of our show here um, on Get Radio. So, Sarah, I guess 
an easier place for me as the host to um, kick off with really today is if you've got some examples of the sort of things you're helping your clients with at the moment, what's what's topical? Yeah, um, quite a lot at the moment. So there's there's a lot going on. So there's a, a lot of talk about the employment bill and some of the changes that may or may not come in. We've been waiting for this bill for a long time. Um, there's a lot of talk about flexible working and the um, ability to be able to request flexible working from day one. Um, there's a lot of talk about things like providing support for um, people who have caring responsibilities, um, putting in place menopause policies, um, a lot of stuff around uh, culture, well-being, engagement, moving people back into the office, but in a um, considered and thoughtful way, allowing for you know, the benefits that they've um, had for, uh, working from home over the last few years. You know, how do we entice people rather than force them back into the office? So a lot of stuff around those things. We've also been doing quite a bit of um, work with uh, leadership development as well over the last uh, few months. Amazing. Amazing. No, good, good, good opening. Um, As a recruiter with my recruitment hat on, of course, I'm going to mention um, staffing and the recruitment side of things. Um, I think it's widely reported that, that it's a candidate driven market, isn't it? I think there's no, no way of hiding it. It's hard to recruit. But I guess from your perspective and when talking to your clients, what, what can small businesses do or indeed business, big businesses to make them, I guess, more attractive to, to potential candidates? Yeah, I think I mean, it's interesting. We're always, you know, saying to our clients, it costs, you know, three, four, five, ten times the salary to replace somebody. So Absolutely. look after them whilst they're with you and then you won't need to replace them. And I think that's the key. You have got to have, you know, the deal that you are offering has got to be attractive. Mm-hmm. You know, in in these days, um, it, times are hard. People have um, a certain amount of security if they've been somewhere for a few years. So if you're trying to entice them away from where they've been and they're settled and they've got some continuity of service, what you're offering needs to be attractive um, and it needs to be more attractive than than their sort of security of staying where they are. Because if I'm going to come and work for you, I'm probably going to go on a probation period. We've seen a lot of those creep up to three, four, five, six month probation periods. So it could be six months before I feel kind of like, okay, I'm secure. But also in terms of, you know, employee rights and things, you know, redundancy pay doesn't kick in until you've been somewhere for two years. So you're asking people to step away from a certain amount of security to come and work for you in your role that maybe, you know, they don't the role if the role isn't particularly well defined they don't definitely know that they're going to enjoy it um they need to have benefits that are gonna um you know be interesting enticing maybe better than where they were before um and they need to feel like the culture of the organization is one that they're going to fit into and feel comfortable with so i think you are you know, it's not about we've got a vacancy, we need we need a bum on a seat. It's about how am I going to entice this talent to leave where it is, uproot itself and come and work in my organisation. And you need to be thinking about it from that perspective if you've got a vacancy to fill, I think. Great advice, great advice. Now, Sarah, I'm sure we're going to touch on many of those um, examples that you've touched on before. But when we were speaking a few weeks ago, you offered to share your own personal journey, um, which is, um, I think the listeners will 
credit the, the bravery of, of doing so. Because um, I think it's going to be really great for the listeners to listen to because it makes it very real in terms of what we're talking about today, because we talk about your journey, but also the impact that that had for you, but also could have for other businesses. So I guess I'll leave it there for you to sort of like introduce that story, if you like. Yeah, sure. Listeners. Thank you. So um, last November, I was uh, I was joking with a friend that, you know, you're getting old when the NHS sends you um, an invite for a mammogram and your fourth COVID vaccination and a bowel cancer screening kit all in the same week. So once I got over the depression of being told I was very old, I um, I did the bowel cancer screening kit and sent it off and they called me back and um, they called me back for a colonoscopy in December and removed some polyps, uh, one of which was cancerous. Um, so then I had to go for an operation in February and I had a part of my bowel um, removed. Uh, I was in hospital for 10 days and because of where the, the cancer was, um, I ended up with a, a having to have an ileostomy. So I had a stoma bag as well whilst my, um, my bowel recovered. And at the end of um, June, I had an, another operation of three days in hospital to have that reversed. So it's been um, quite a, uh, a roller coaster over the last sort of um, six months or so. Um, have, you know, finding out, having the operation, going through all the, do I want to have the operation or not? What will be the consequences? Um, and things like that. And of course, you're going through all of that personally and your family's going through that. But also, you know, um, what, you know, what's happening with the business? I've had to take time out of the business um, and my team have been fantastic. And they've, you know, they've pitched in and our clients have been fantastic. And I've, I've tried to be quite open and, and share, you know, what's going on so that people understand. And, and, you know, that has been a positive because when you when you explain to people why you're going to be out of the business and maybe why things, you know, need to wait a little bit longer. Um, yeah, they're very understanding, um, uh, which has been great. But also, you know, there, there's a big impact. I came back after my last operation uh, in June. I came back and, you know, Yana, who's my kind of like... Um, I'd say my second in command, but she's so much more than my second in command. She is my, you know, she's my yin and I am her yang. And she is so much better at everything than I am. Um, and she's really worked her socks off and, you know, had to take on a lot, everything she does, which is already a lot. And then, you know, most of the stuff that I do as well. Um, and I came back and, and, you know, I was back for a couple of weeks on a sort of phased return and then Yana was on holiday and Yana was only off for a week and I'm telling you I was completely exhausted at the end of that week and poor Yana has been doing that yeah since February really so um the impact on Yana and the rest of the team I think is huge um and yeah it got me thinking about you know what sorts of things do we need to have in our businesses to a help our employees through those times when those things happen um but also to help the rest of the team and to help speed things through so i was very lucky that i i i had the first operation on the the nhs were amazing absolutely amazing everything was done really quickly and it does seem like if you have a cancer diagnosis they are very you know it's it's very fast and everything was done you know really quickly um but um they 
obviously they prioritise the cancer operation. So the reversal operation to get rid of the stoma, the waiting list is, is quite long, you know, as it should be because the cancer operation should be prioritised. So I'm fortunate enough to have private medical cover. So I had the reversal um, done privately. So that happened much quicker. Otherwise, I, you know, I may have been waiting up to 12 months, um, you know, to have the reversal operation. And it's just thinking about some of those things, you know, do we, do we, do we do screening for our employees? I'm so lucky. Imagine if I hadn't got that kit or imagine if I hadn't done that kit and I'd waited another four or five years um, before I, I, I did another kit, you know, how much more advanced might, might, you know, my situation have been because I am, com- you know, they removed all of the cancer. There's no trace of cancer left. I just need to be monitored now for the next five years. I don't need any chemotherapy or anything like that. So I've been incredibly lucky. Um, and it, it's, it's down to receiving that that screening kit. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for for, for sharing that. And 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 all I can say is, is thank thank God, thank God of of that 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 final that final line. Um, a, a few things you, you touched on there, which which I think um, are really really important to build on. Um, the, the first one of which um, you touched about um, sort of looking after your people and and um, in fact more I, I think about your team coming together and your clients coming together. What, do you think that is because you've got just good people in your team? Do you believe that's because of the culture you've set in your team? Like what like what would you put your finger on there? And what advice would you give to other businesses in terms of having having such a warm and, and a collaborative team there? I, I think you're right. I think it's the culture that we've got in our team. And I think it's um, you know, it's that understanding that um life happens at work. Yeah, you can't just switch it off when you're at work. Things happen, you need to deal with them. And, you know, you need time to, to be able to do that. And, I, you know, I've always been the type of manager or leader that, and you know, I suppose understands that. And I will say to people, you know, look, if you've got something to do, go and do it. Mm. And, you know, do whatever we need, you know, we'll muck in, we'll find a way, you know, things will happen. And I do believe that if you, you know, if you pay into that psychological contract, if you like, you know, if I'm, if I'm giving of you when you need, when you need time and things, then you will be giving of me when I need you to pitch in just as my team were, you know, everybody had to pitch in. Um, And these things happen and people, you know, people can't control when, their kids are going to be sick when they're going to be sick, you know, when they need to step away and sort out something. But you've invested, uh, you know, a lot of time and a lot of energy into that person. And they've invested a lot of time and energy into you and your business. So why wouldn't you, um, you know, do what needs to be done for them? Because, you know, then you are, you're getting back someone who, who maybe says, I knew the culture was like that. But now I've really experienced that the culture is mm. like that. Um, and I think, you know, that says a lot. And when people are interviewing or um, they're talking to your team about what it's like to work at that organisation, they're saying, you know, I actually have a personal personal experience of being treated this well um, in that situation. Um, you know, and I know, 
I know if you're a, a larger organisation, you know, you've got to have rules and regulations and sometimes there's a certain amount of trend because, you, you know, you do have to be consistent. You can't treat everybody um, differently. Mm-hmm. But certainly if you're an SME business, you know, building up that that level of trust and culture um, with your team, I think goes a long way in getting, you know, people want to pitch in then and they want to do it because not because um you know of anything you say or do they just want to do it because it's the right thing to do mm-hmm. um and I think that's where it comes from is you know we're very much about doing the right thing so we might say to a client well yeah no you you don't have to do that but you know how would you feel if it was you what do you think is the right thing to do you know there's the law <laughs> that you have to comply with but then there's also the right thing to do and some of those things are too expensive for some businesses but some of the you know the policies and um like insurance policies and and um things that you can do as a small business are not that expensive so you know things like um a cash plan policy you can get those for you know from 5 pound per per person per month um you know it, it's not expensive um yeah an eap which can give people access to counseling um and support you know real you know, practical support it is you know you can get those from a pound per person per month so even if you're a very small business and you don't have a big budget you know there are things that you can do that will save you know time you know lots of people are saying i can't get an appointment with a gp um and that you know if you get back to my story, I didn't have any symptoms, so I wouldn't have gone to the GP. But if I'd had symptoms and I'd wanted to go to the GP, mm-hmm. it might have taken me, you know, a few months to get an appointment because it's not urgent. You know, I don't want to, I can't stop what I'm doing for work. So I might have put it off. It might have been a few months down the line. But a lot of these um, uh, cash plans and EAPs and things like that that you can you can buy for just a few pounds a month gives your staff access to an online GP appointment mm. gives them access to you know something for a diagnosis that then they can then take to their GP so for a few pounds a month you can be looking after your employees health um, and and you know creating giving them the, that sort of like ability to be able to do some of the things they need to do and you know, if somebody's worrying about something, thinking I need to go to the GP, I need to go to the GP about that, they are not. Yeah, you know, if you want to think of it, you know, um, mercurially, yeah, you know, if they they've got that going on in the back of their mind, they're not giving you a hundred percent at work because they're thinking all the time about yeah, you know, what's going on um, with that in the back of their mind. So, I think there's a you know there's a lot of things you can do to give your employees peace of mind and to give you a bit of peace of mind as well, that if something does happen, you've put something in place. Hmm. Certainly a conversation I have with my clients is, you know, is a cost line on your P&L in your business an expense or an investment mm. and, you know, a payment for things like screening or private medical, you know, where do you view that? If you view that as an expense and the business doesn't want to make that payment, then don't do it. If you see it as an investment in your people, in your talent about retention and caring and culture, as you have you quite beautifully put, I think, um, yeah, you, you'd make the payment. And like you say, it's not as expensive as many people think. I think people get private medical care quotes for their family and they think, cool, 100, 150 quid. And then they don't look at it from a company perspective. But once you get the company policies, how that's much more as a level. 
The question I wanted to ask, Sarah, is that you said you're doing more leadership development at mm. the moment. So based on what you've just sort of shared with us, you know, historic leadership development was really about leadership of the business, wasn't it? Leadership of mm. priorities, leadership of models, leadership of targets, etc. Is the leadership development now much, much more about leader of people and understanding your talent? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, le- leading the people, understanding your talent, um, you know, thinking about your culture. Um, so, you know, what is the culture that you want? Have you articulated it? Because, uh, you know, I think and I, I've probably said this before. Um, you've got a culture, whether you know what it is, whether you've articulated it um, or not, you have got a culture. And, you know, the less work you do on it, the, you know, the more wild and free flowing it will be. And it can change, um, you know, especially if you're an organisation that's growing really quickly. Um, every new person that comes in brings a bit of the culture they worked in before. And so that could be diluting your culture if you don't talk about what your culture is, hold people accountable for the, you know, the behaviours and values that you want to see and onboard your new people into your culture. Yeah, if you think it's just something that's out there and you don't need to do any work on it, then it is, you know, it's changing all the time and you need to, you need to be sure that you are measuring it, testing it and, you know, pulling people back to it because um, cultural drift, as I like to call it, is, um, you know, it, it's something you can, it can happen to you in a matter of months. And all of a sudden you're like, well, how, you know, how, how are we suddenly here? That's not who we are. That's not what we, you know, what we wanted to be. And you can you know, get caught in a bit of a, a riptide and all of a sudden find yourself, you know, miles away from the culture that you thought you had. Amazing. No, couldn't, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Thank you, Sarah, for your thoughts so far. We'll continue the conversation after this. The Business Brunch with Ben and Mike. Sponsored by We Do HR Support. Leave your HR to the experts so you can focus on what you do best. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. And today we're joined by Sarah, who is kindly our show sponsor of We Do HR Support. And, and today we're talking about all things HR, but also um, really um, Sarah's o- own um, illness um, in, re- in recent in recent months, uh, and really how how you as a business owner things you should be considering, but also the culture within Sarah's business in terms of of supporting her through 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 that stage. Um, so Sarah, I just want to um, really kind of continue the conversation and, and really talk about um, the impact, really, um, and. It's been lovely to hear, and I can absolutely get this about your business in terms of the support that you've had. But, but I guess what can businesses do to, um, I guess, build the right culture and to build that supportive culture? And what, what, what? Are, I guess your hints and tips of, of of doing that because culture isn't something that can happen overnight, is it? No, no, it's it, it's not. Um, and I think my my key tip would be understand what your you know not necessarily what your culture is, but what you want your culture to be. Mm. So think about, you know, what what are your values um, and how do you want um how do you want to deliver those in your business? So, you know, I when um whenever I was talking to people about setting behavioral objectives, I always say to them, close your eyes and imagine them doing it perfectly. What does that, you know, what do you see here feel? What does that look like for you? 
and you know and write that down and and I'd say the same thing about culture I'd say well what you know what how do you want to be talked about what do you want people to see hear feel about you as an organization and you know so what is what's that culture that you want to build and then what are the behaviors that will show you that that is your culture so um to and then you need to test those things so you need to think about um in your leadership group you know if you're saying for example um sustainability is you know it's part of our culture it's what we want to do you know we are we are actively working towards being a, a sustainable business um so if you have then got um a client who wants you to do something and they're on a budget and you only want to be able to you know work with sustainable materials but they're asking you to do something cheaper you know where where does the point come where you mm. go you know we we use sustainable practices we won't use that you know we don't do this job with that material we can do this job with these materials but if you want it done with that material you want it done with that budget then it's not for us and i think those are the tests as a leadership group you need mm-hmm. to give yourself you need to say well when you know at what point are we giving up our value here is that something that's going to happen to us or you know how far are we prepared to go to say this is you know how we do business um and then those things should be about everything so there's a, there's a kind of like um uh i call so i call that one the leadership priorities test so you t- test how high in your leadership is it as a priority so uh, mike you said earlier which i think is really good is you know is is um you know looking after our employees is that a cost or is it an investment and if it's an investment then you can say you know that's something that maybe is part of your culture if you view it as a cost looking after your employees isn't you know it isn't in your culture if you view it as an investment it's in your culture so how have you decided how much you're going to spend what's the point at which you say actually you know that's too much and with something like you know um private medical critical illness you know death in service all of those kinds of things obviously there is a point you could you could say we want to give our employees death in service insurance but we can't afford to do 10 times salary but we can afford to do three times salary and you know that's that's where our our, our point is so i call that the leadership priorities test you know at what point will you will you give that up and if you're giving it up too easily then you can't say it's part of your culture and it's not one of your values mm. then there's the kind of like the employee saturation test so if i come in to thompson and terry and speak to your um your team uh, will they all tell me the same thing that you tell me about the culture and the values of the organization mm. because if they are saying you know yes that's you know that's what we do um this is you know this is the way it is around here which is your, you know, your test for your culture. Um, and I think if you're getting those things right, if you've articulated what it is, and as leaders, when you sit down to discuss, those things are in your mind, mm-hmm. and somebody's saying, well, hang on a minute, we said our culture is caring for our employees, our culture is using sustainable materials, this is what we should be doing. And if your employees can echo, yeah, this, you know, that is what this business 
feels like that's what it feels like to work it feels like I'm cared for um it feels like I'm looked after um then you know you're you're getting there then but those are the sorts of things you should be testing all the time so yeah when you do your engagement surveys it's not about you know do we like the bean bags and the free breakfast and things like that it's about do we see these behaviors on a consistent basis and that's when you know you've got a cult you know you've got the the culture that you want if the behaviors that you want are being observed on a consistent basis fantastic you've you've mentioned a couple of times today and it's been mentioned the word has been mentioned a few times over recent shows the word communication Mm. Um, and how important the communication is. And I always say whatever relationship you're in, whether that's your relationship at home, your relationships at work, it's all about communication. But what we would like to sort of like probably gather from you is practical hows. You know, how do we do this? How, how What methods could we use? Is it team meetings? Is it memos? Is it individual one-to-ones? Particularly if we're trying to communicate something like a culture or a, you know, a broad message, if you like, in terms of the whole team. What would be your recommendations? So I'm a fan of hitting all the communication channels because each person who's in your team will have a slightly different way in which they like to take in and process information. Um, So um, I think if you want to get um, your culture saturated through your organization, which you should want to do, then you, it needs to be something that, you know, people see, hear, feel. So um, you should do your, you know, if you do a state of the nation or you do a monthly, you know, talk to the whole team, you should be talking about culture in there or they should be able to feel the culture in there, what's important. Um, when you are sending emails, if you do group emails, if you do newsletters, if you have team meetings, um, if you do one-to-ones with people, when you are doing anything that you're communicating things out to your business. So in our group at the moment, we are, um, we're revamping, um, our benefits. So we're going through, which, which is why I can bring to, to the top of my mind the price of all this stuff. Because <laughs> we've got, we've got all the quotes going around. Um, so, you know, we are, we're re-looking at our benefits. And we start every communication about benefits by talking about what we want to achieve with the culture Mm. and how what we're just about to talk to you about fits into that. And if you start every conversation with, you know, this is the type of organisation that we are and this is, you know, how this bit fits in, um, then that's that's very powerful. Um, And... You can have posters on the wall. You can, you know, talk about it in your meetings. You can deliver, you know, initiatives that speak to that. So things like, you know, we're going to introduce private medical cover or we're going to introduce, you know, group income protection or, you know, whatever it is that you're going to do. Um, and you're, so you're talking about, and we're doing that because, you know, this is the type of organization that we want to be. But also, um, I think, you talk about it on your website, you talk about it when you're recruiting people, you talk about it when you're onboarding people, you talk about it when you're promoting people, you talk about it when you're talking to your managers and you're you're saying to your managers, well, you know, how how are we going to deliver that culture within your team? You know, what do you think is the impact in your team? What do your team need to see, hear and feel um, to be able to deliver that? So from my tips would be, 
every way in which you communicate with your team, use that to communicate about your culture. Every um, initiative or new thing or old thing that you're going back to saying, hey, guys, look, we've let this slide. Don't forget this is what we do. All of those things talk about the why. You know, um, we're introducing some new benefits. It's we care about you. We care about your well-being. We want to be an organization that cares about it about its employees. So that is why we are introducing these new benefits. That is why we want, you know, we want to do this. Um, And I think every time you're communicating, if you are, you know, if you're hitting all of the channels with what you're talking about, but also doing the work. So when you have a board meeting, talk about your culture. What is our culture? Have we have we defined it? Have we articulated it? When was the last time we tested it? Um, you know, what are we what are we doing about you know this piece of the survey that said actually people don't think we're we're kind or they don't think we're giving enough back to the local community? What are we going to do about that? What's our action plan? Um, and the other great thing is is to have champions use people in the organisation. So if you've got somebody who is always going on about, you know, how great it is to work here and I really do love it and they really have been great to me, you know, make them one of your your champions um, and get them to talk to um, the new starters, you know, leavers. Um, another, you know, a great source of, of information and it's, you know, it's it's too late once once they've left, but doing your exit interviews and really digging into that person's experience of your culture in an exit interview gives you a lot of good data that you can use. Um, I think that's, you know, really, we do a lot of, you know, quite in-depth exit interviews for some of our clients because they really want to dig into um, how people have felt about, about the culture. And, you know, sometimes when you're changing a culture, it's okay if people leave because you know it's it's maybe not the culture that they that they wanted to be in or that fits for them or something and they will give you you know some really good data on on how you're doing uh, in terms of of getting the culture that you want to have in an organization but you you can't have the culture that you want if you haven't articulated it if you don't know what that you know looks like to you no, amazing. Amazing. Thanks so much for your thoughts so far. We'll continue the conversation after this. Station, get radio. Welcome back to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio. Um, today we are talking um, about all things HR, um, me- medical, how to support your team. And actually the conversation's really, really unintentionally gone very towards culture, hasn't it? Which, um, w- w- which I think is a, a really, really great topic. Um, Sarah, we've we've spoken quite a bit um, about benefits, um, particularly um, private health cover um, be, 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 being one of them. And I just really want to talk about um, how to decide benefits, because I think that we, we've talked a lot about that communication piece with our people. But actually, um, I can think back to, to, to a couple of clients who have um done surveys with their staff and said would what's most important are are you most interested in pay rises are you most interested in more annual leave or whatever else so i guess as a business owner can you make decisions on benefits even if it's not necessarily what your staff want 
but if you feel what's right for them. So, for example, by having a helpline that you can call for counselling is is proven to cut and annual uh, to cut sickness. Um, but on the flip side, um, by in in the cost of living crisis, paying more money is going to help with 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 bills. So, I guess what's what's that? I guess what's that decision making process of thinking about what does that benefit entitlement look like? And at what point as the business owner, should you say, do you know what? I want my staff to have this and not involve them in the decision or should you? Um, I think that's, that's a really good question. I mean, we always start any benefits project with um, a questionnaire Mm -hmm. um, because you know, you, you, you do want to hit some of the things that the staff are saying that they want. Mm -hmm. Um, you can quite easily design a questionnaire that doesn't ask about pay increases. So you can say, you know, we're thinking about changing the benefits, not including the pay structure. We're talking about benefits. These are some of the ideas that we've got. Rank them, rate them, talk to us about what you get already. Um, you know, so you, there's lots of different ways that you can do um, a benefit survey. The one that we did, we did a, we did a, um, both qualitative and quantitative um, survey. So we had some data that we could manipulate around. Um, and I think it's quite interesting if you, um, when you look at motivation uh, and you you think about, um, you know, things that are changing, cost of living crisis and things like that. And that does change and shape, um, you know, people's motivators. So um, there's a there's a tool called a motivational map, and one of the um, motivators in there is a is a builder, and that's around you know being motivated by being um, security and having security and things like that. And you do find because people's motivations are you know flexible and mobile, you do find in times where you know th- there are crisis or you know cost of living increase, all of these things that people's motivators do change. So it's definitely worth as a business if you're thinking about benefits now it's worth surveying your people and not thinking oh we did that 12 months ago and and nobody wanted this it's always worth you know having the most up-to-date data and it doesn't take much to to run a a survey and find out what people are interested in so i'd say that you know there's definitely um a, a good plan to introduce some of the things that people are saying that they want but again there's that um, underlying thing of, you know, if um, you're offering something like private medical cover or cash plan or um, some of those things, um, they are critical illness cover and things like that. Um, they are um, taxable benefits. So if I, you know, by taking up my private medical cover, I, you know, pay more tax. Um, if I take up, you know, um, some of the um, different benefits, I might have to pay more tax on those. So you can offer, um, which means that it's there for everybody, but if people and people can choose them whether to take it or not. So I think that's nice because there'll always be somebody and, you know, and, and, and now it's me. Um, there'll always be somebody who's used that benefit before and found it really, um, you know, life-changing or you know really really useful to be able to have that benefit so there'll always be a group of people who no matter what it costs them in tax are going to say i want that then there'll be another group of people who will say 
yeah, I like the idea of that. I'm going to have that. Um, and then there'll be a group of people who will say, mm, you know, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to go for the money. Um, but actually, it's nice to know that's there. And at any point, I, you know, or a couple of points a year, I could change my mind and take that. Um, so as an employer, you can offer it. And you won't, you won't get 100% take up, especially on something like, you know, private medical cover, because that, yeah, of all the things we've talked about, that's probably the most expensive thing to be able to offer. So not everybody will, will take that up. Um, and not everybody, um, will want it, but knowing that it's there on the table still gives you that, you know, that cultural benefit. People are still looking at that and going, well, actually, it's good to know it's there if I want it, if I want to take that up. Um, you know, things like um, an EAP is, you know, that's not a tax, you don't have to pay um, tax on that. And that's, you know, that's pennies for for an employer to provide. Um, but it does give you, you know, like we were saying, that access to the coaching, access to support around financial well-being um, and things like that. So I think you can say, I'm going to offer this anyway, um, even if, you, you know, even if you don't take it up, I'm going to offer it. Um, and and some people will take it up and, and some people won't. But you, I think you still get some benefit as an employer in terms of the culture and the um, acknowledgement of you're doing the right thing, um, even if from the people who don't take it up. Yeah, I certainly think having those options of having the specialists around, you know, takes that worry about difficult conversations away, doesn't it, in terms of, uh, you know, I can point an individual to a specialist rather than having to try and have that difficult conversation myself. One of yeah. the things, one of the other things you said that you were dealing with your um, client's work at the moment is flexible working. You said in one piece and then the other piece about moving people back into the office. So mm-hmm. be quite curious to see, you know, what that pattern looks like for you at the moment and what the particular challenges are for the leaders about moving people back into offices after they've had a, a flexible working from home type offering. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, um, it's an interesting one because there are, um, yeah, there are people who have, yeah, there are people who have moved. There are people who have moved, you know, a very long way away. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we've got, uh, um, we know of someone whose, whose office is in London and they, and they moved to, um, to Devon. And, you know, for three years, they've been working at home. And um, now the office is thinking about, should we be getting people back in? And, and you know, people are saying, yes, fine. I, you know, I don't I don't mind coming in like once a month. I'll, I'll come up. I'll stay overnight. You know, I'll do. But, you know, it's not worth me coming in more often than that. And I think you need to think about if you want people back in the office that, you know, that's fine. You need to think about. Who are they working with and where are they working? Because this, this particular case I'm talking about, the the person, the people they were working with were all based overseas anyway. So it was kind of like you, you, you want me to go and sit, you know, somewhere else entirely and do exactly the same thing, talk to exactly the same people on a screen because I only ever talk to them on a screen. You know, what's the difference of where I'm sat? And I think for employers, that's what you you need to to think about. And and I was actually having a conversation earlier with someone, um, and they we were saying, you know, if you if you're working in a multi site environment, 
and you know you're working for someone who's got 10 sites then on any day you are not in nine of those sites so how big a difference does it make if you're not in 10 of them and and i think that's that's the question now i i totally get that you want to get people together and you need you know you need to have people um interacting in person and and that's a different thing so i think what i would say to um employee and you know what we're saying to our clients who are thinking about it is why why do you want people back in if it's just because i feel more comfortable when they're all there and i can look out and i can see them all and they're all you know doing what i expect them to be doing is that a good enough reason to disenfranchise someone who's been doing a brilliant job just out of your sight but they've still been doing a brilliant job for the last few years is that a good enough reason to disenfranchise them by making them come back in the office if if that's not what they want to do three days a week or four days a week or whatever it is if you are bringing people in for um meetings collaborations things that you know are getting better results when they are done face to face then that's great and it comes back to this you know it comes back to communication doesn't it think about how you want to communicate that think about the benefit that you are seeking to get out of bringing people back into the office um and you know is that is that a a, a benefit that is just you know for you is that a lazy benefit? I call it, you know, is it just for your ease and, and, you know, you being lazy or is it um, because it's actually going to benefit the business? And, you know, most people who've got, you know, a reasonable understanding of the job that they do and the company that they work for are going to understand. Um, you know, if you can articulate, this is going to benefit the business because of X, Y, and Z, they're going to go, oh, yeah, I can see that. Um, but, you know, is it all right if I never have to do that on a Wednesday because I do this on a Wednesday? Yeah. And those are the sorts of conversations that you need to, ha to have with people, I think. So, um, again, you know, if, if you're just if you're the only person benefiting from it is you, then you need to ask yourself whether that's really the right thing to be doing. Um, but if you can articulate a really clear business benefit for it, then, yeah, you should be going for it. Amazing. Amazing. Really good advice. Really good advice. Um, but fortunately, we have run out of time. Um, so thank you so much, um, Sarah, for joining us on the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike on Get Radio today. And also um, a great opportunity to say thank you for for sponsoring the show. Um, it's been it's been great journey. And uh, yeah, thank you for enabling us to really showcase the stories of so many businesses all across Oxfordshire. So thanks so much again for your time, contribution and indeed your support. Thank you. You've been listening to the Business Brunch with Ben and Mike here on Get Radio. Next week, we look forward to welcoming more guests to the show and covering another hot topic for local businesses that you, the listeners, tell us that you want to hear much more about. And finally, that reminder that you can listen in on the radio via DAB in Oxfordshire or online each Sunday at 11 o'clock. The podcast format comes out via your favourite podcast platforms each Monday and the video format is posted on the Get Radio Facebook page and their website um, each Tuesday. But for now, enjoy the rest of your Sunday and we'll see you next week.